Uh, if you're new with us, my name is uh, my name is Tim. I get to serve here on staff and uh, counted a privilege. We're in a teaching series. We're in a teaching series called Belong. We've been talking about uh, local Jesus communities, the local church, and what does it mean to commit? What is what is Jesus' heart for people to be part, to belong to a local church, a local Jesus community? And so we're going to continue talking about that. Actually, today's the last of four uh, 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 on these these teachings. And if you ever miss one of the teachings, you always jump on the website. We've got them online if you want to catch up on uh, what you've missed. But today we're going to kind of Pull it together and close it out. The, the text we're going to look at today is going to be Acts, uh, in Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 42. So if you have a Bible and you'd like to follow along, Acts is after John, and it's before uh, Romans. And we'll be in chapter 2, beginning in verse 42. And what, just so we know what we're reading here, uh, we're going to be looking at a snapshot of uh, the early Jesus community, the early church. And this is actually a, a, a scripture that's been very important in the life of Hillcrest over the years. We've come back to it over and over again. It's a picture, essentially, uh, it's just like less than two months after Jesus' death and resurrection. And, and Jesus has, uh, the uh, scripture tells us Jesus has, he's gone to this other dimension. Scripture says he's gone to heaven and he's not physically with his people anymore, but somehow he has sent his spirit to be with his people. And so really, right away, there's this question of now that Jesus isn't physically with his community, his spirit's there, what is the Jesus movement going to look like? What's it going to look like? How does this Jesus movement go forward now that Jesus isn't physically there? And right away, we get a picture of what the Jesus community looks like um, now that he's not physically there, we get this this spirit led, spirit empowered community picture of that. And so we want to we're going to look at that and talk about what that might mean for us today. So I'm going to read beginning in Acts two forty two. Follow along if you like. It says they that is the Jesus followers they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the apostles they were. The twelve close followers of Jesus, and they were te- they were passing on the uh, the teachings of Jesus, the story of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers, the Jesus followers, were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord, the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So here we have this. We have this, uh, this picture. What was, how did the early Jesus, the early Jesus community, the early Jesus movement, what did it look like after he wasn't physically a sense of spirit? What did that look like? Well, this is what it looked like. And I want to kind of talk about what we see here. What am I have to say to us? One of the first things we see right away, the second word, it says they were devoted. One of the things that marked the early Jesus movement, this community, was they were people of com- a certain kind of commitment. The word there in Greek is proskartorontes, 
just rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? A little short or throws scart their own face. And it's a word, it implies, it's, it, it's an ongoing, continuous action. It's not a one-time thing. It's this ongoing devotion or attention or commitment. This ongoing commitment. There, the ongoing, later in Acts 10, 7, it, it, it's used to describe the ongoing commitment of a soldier to their commanding officer. We could say, we could say Samwise Gamgee was proscartorontes to Frodo. There's this ongoing attachment, this ongoing commitment. So right away we see this community is marked. There are people of certain commitments. Now, it's interesting because we, we live in an interesting age when it comes to commitment. I would say we live in a low commitment, high mobility, high choice, high freedom age. Right? I was, reading a, I was reading an article on Forbes.com this week. And the article was entitled, How to Be a Digital Nomad and Travel the World. So if you're interested, I can send it to you. Um, but in the, in the middle of the article, it had this quote. And I just want to read because it really summarizes the idea. It says, True freedom resides in being able to travel the world by becoming a digital nomad. Having no boundaries or borders to abide to. While being able to live and work from anywhere in the world. To most, that is the ultimate goal. The pinnacle in life. The ultimate goal is this life of no attachments, no commitments. Just to be absolutely unencumbered and free. And maybe you're not sitting there thinking, I've always wanted to be a digital nomad and travel the world. But like, there's a lot more, I think there's a lot more people longing to cut all ties and just travel. There's a lot more stories out there of people just selling their house, quitting their job and just traveling. Then there are the opposite. I think we live in this age, this kind of, this age of low commitment. We long for this kind of freedom, freedom from commitment. And yet, I believe relational commitments are good for us. Our hearts are wired for them. We're meant to be in deep commitments with other people. There's a study, uh, and a psychological study, and uh, they took two groups of people. One group was, uh, were couples who were cohabitating, people who were living together, uh, not married. And then they took another group of, of couples who were married. And they, they controlled same length of relationships, same relational satisfaction. The only difference was the married group, they, they had made a lifelong commitment and they knew the person was committed to them. So then the psychologists, they, as they do, they put them in a room, connect wires up to them and start shocking them. And uh, sometimes you wonder about the, these psychological studies. But, uh, so they're trying to create an environment of stress and, and pain, fear. Is that's what they're, and then they, they measured brain activity. And the, the people who ran the study, they were totally shocked by this. They did not expect this. But the, the couples that were married showed significantly lower brain activity, significantly less stress and fear than the cohabitating couples. And the only difference was they had made this commitment and this person was committed to them. Their commitment changed the way they experienced reality. I believe, I believe we're made to be in certain kinds of committed 
relationships. And I'm not just this, my point isn't just like about marriage. My point is I think it points to something more, more broad in the human experience. That broadly we're made to be in committed relationships. Anybody who talks, if you've ever raised a kid or you've, you've read about how kids develop, anybody knows that kids are meant, they, they, they thrive in stable environments with families committed to them and a broader community that's committed to them. That's how kids thrive. We, same for adults, we are, we are wired to be in committed communities. It's good for our hearts. Today, I want to talk about commitment to local Jesus communities, local churches. I want to talk about that. What does it mean to commit? And uh, we're going to talk about membership. And we're going to, we've got these membership packets around the room. There's baskets. There's one there, one there, one there. We've got membership packets. And I, and I want to talk about membership, but I want to be clear that... Um, when, when I talk about membership today, th- th- there's nothing magical about this piece of paper. Um, there's nothing magical. Membership is simply, it's a formal, official way of saying this deeper thing, this deeper thing of, I'm in. I'm committed. And really, I want to talk about the deeper thing, the heart of commitment to a local Jesus community. That's what, one way we express that today is membership. But I want to talk about this heart of commitment to a local Jesus community if, if you're here today and you are not a follower of Jesus, you're just checking this thing out, well then feel free just to, just to listen in, right? Because we, we would, our heart for you would be first to consider where you stand with Jesus. Then we'll talk about where, you know, being part of his people, what that means. And, and if you're here today and you're, you're new to Hillcrest, as you, you know, you're one of your first few times here, you're trying to decide where you want to belong, then like the, my heart is not to pressure you to commit here. That is not the goal whatsoever. But I do hope, I do hope you catch a vision that Jesus desires his people to be committed to local churches. The universal church is best served when people are committed to local communities. And if, if this isn't the place, that's okay. But find a place that is and commit there. Right? So I want to I talk about these commitments today. So I want to talk about uh, the idea of membership and really the deeper. What is the deeper commitment that I think we're called to? The kind of commitment we're meant to make to uh, the local church, the local Jesus community. I'm going to look at three big commitments and I want to look at this passage, Acts 2, 42-47, and pull out what kind of commitments I think we're called to. What kind of commitments we could even say Jesus, by His Spirit, forms in people, calls people to, uh, to make. So the first commitment is, I believe, the first commitment we ask people to make is a commitment to walking after God. We look at this passage, Acts 2, 42 and we see this, it says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves to studying the story of Jesus, the teachings of Jesus, how Jesus fulfills the, the Hebrew scriptures, and to fellowship and to the breaking bread and to prayer. Prayer is this ongoing intimate conversation with the living God of the universe. And then in verse 47, it, it describes their life as they were continually praising God. They were worshiping God. God was at the center of who they were. So these, these commitments to, that Jesus formed in his early community 
were commitments to following after God, to making God the center of their lives. And, if, and, and I think that Jesus calls people still today to make God the center of their lives. And if to become a member here, one of the things it means is, hey, we ask you to commit to following God. It's good for our own hearts. It's also good for our neighbor's heart. Like I am encouraged when I worship here with, with you all on Sunday mornings. And, and when I stand next to somebody just genuinely worshiping, that's good for my heart. I'm encouraged. I've been encouraged over the years here as I've had friends and getting to witness the way they faithfully walk with Jesus and steadily are asking the question, what God, what do you want from me? And as I witness the way they walk with Jesus, that encourages my heart. The first commitment is this commitment to follow God. It's good for our hearts, good for our, the heart of our neighbor. So the first commitment is to walk, to follow God. The second commitment that I see is the commitment to, to I would say, the commitment to be in relationship with these people in this place, in this time. There's a commitment to the one another, to share life with other people who are here, part of this community. So again, look in verse uh, 42. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. They were devoted to fellowship, the sharing of life together. And then in verse uh, 46, it unpacks. It unpacks how they shared life together. It says, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts this large group setting. And then they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts in these small group home settings. And so they they shared life in a large group setting and then in these small settings where they could know and be known by one another. Likewise, we ask people to be part of this community is to commit to be, you know, we have a large group, a large group gathering once a week. You might have heard of it. And uh, you're, you're at it. Right now, and then we also we we encourage people to be part of small groups, and where you meet once a week, once every couple of weeks in somebody's home, and you you know each other, you you hear about one another's lives, you're walking after Jesus together, you you share life together, and 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 ultimately the goal is that we have these we have these friendships around Jesus. Last week I talked about how the church is people. And, and the picture of that for me is, is, in, is captured by a, a pile of shoes by the front door or a pile of dishes in the kitchen about sharing the real stuff of life together. Both the, you know, the triumphs and the really the hard things. And, and it's been my privilege to have friendships over the years around Jesus to walk through those good things and the very difficult things. And that's, that's I think, we're called to those kind of, those kind of uh, friendships around Jesus. So the first commitment... That we ask, that I think Jesus calls us to, that we ask people to make, is this commitment to following after God. The second commitment is to sharing life. The third commitment is to God's mission in this place at this time. To being part of God's mission in this place at this time. So again, we go back to the same passage. In verse 45, it says, They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. They, they committed resources to furthering God's mission in that time and place. And then in verse 47, it says, and the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. And they, people would not have been joining the Jesus movement unless some of the folks were telling people about Jesus. 
So there are people who are still committed to sharing the good news about Jesus. And so we see this picture that, that they, they made these commitments. They committed resources. They committed to serve. They committed to be part of, of, of Jesus' ongoing mission in the world. And likewise, we ask people to commit to, to, commit to Jesus' mission in this time and this place, to commit resources, to commit serving, to, to commit to expressing his mission in the way that he's called you to. And, and that, looks, that looks different ways for different people. And the... There are so many beautiful examples of that here that Jesus is already doing in this place. I think about the way people have faithfully committed resources over the years to make sure you know, things like the operating budget is met. Or, or every advent we do the hunger project and we gather food for people or gather money to send to people who are hungry around the world. Or every year we do the faith promise to make sure that we're supporting the, our missionaries who are around the world. We see pictures back then on the wall. But people are committing resources to, to keep the mission of God going forward. People commit to serve here. Right now, downstairs, people are hanging out with kids just to get, to be part of God's mission to those kids. We have 412. Last weekend we had 412 camp. And there were people who went and they, they committed to not sleep all weekend just to reach out to those kids. Or uh, even right now we have UCM away at camp and we have leaders and students reaching out to college students. We, and there's so many different ways people commit resources, commit to serve. And people also commit to express God's mission in the ways that God has called them to. And there's so many different things that I see happening here. I know people who have, um, they've formed book studies just to connect with people in their life who don't yet know Jesus, just to start a conversation. Or last week we heard from those, those women who are committed to, uh, to uh, fighting human trafficking around, around the sex industry and gone to Thailand and Cambodia and want to continue pushing those things forward. We have people who, who befriend their neighbors and just reach out to them, not because it's a project, because they genuinely want to love them in the name of Jesus. But it's, it's we, oh, we have people who, in their vocation, we have teachers and administrators who are asking the question, how can I, be, how can I faithfully uh, serve Jesus in my vocational space to be on mission for Jesus here? And there's all these different ways that people are asking the question, how can I be committed to Jesus' mission here? So we have these three big commitments that we see expressed in this passage. People are committed to, committed to walking after God. They're committed to one another, sharing life. And they're committed to being part of Jesus' mission in this time, in this place. Resources, serving, figuring out what that means in my life. And these, this... The, these commitments uh, to, to following after God, to one another, to being part of his mission, they also, there's reciprocal commitments that the community makes back to you when you make those. One of, one of the things that I get to do when, when someone decides to become a member, uh, one of the, when they fill out the application, one of the pastoral staff will, con, you know, contact you and we'll get together and just talk, answer any questions. But one of my favorite parts is to get to tell people the commitments that we make back to you when you commit here. And they reciprocate every one of these things. We commit, we commit to unpacking scripture 
week by week in ways that help you hear the voice of Jesus. We commit to creating an environment where you can genuinely worship. We do it for kids. We do it for teens. We do it for college students. We do it here on Sunday mornings. We commit to having classes where you can, where you can t- learn to study the scripture and li- listen for God's voice. We commit to creating places like small groups where you can be, where you can have these Jesus-centered friendships. We commit to opening up our lives to you. We commit resources. We commit if you have, if you hit a hard time, we'll come alongside with resources and support you. When you need meals made, we'll do, we'll do meals and bring them. We, we commit and we commit also to empowering you, empowering you to discover how you are called to express God's mission in the world. Our goal isn't just to fit you, kind of this is, this is what your mission is and you're supposed to, it's supposed to look like this. But we want to come alongside you and to say, how has God wired you? What has he called you to? What does it look like for you to faithfully express his mission in the world? How can we empower and equip and support you in that? So we make these commitments back. And once again, once again, hear me say this. This, I'm not saying this is magic or it's not like filling out this paper is magical or anything like that. And there are people here who are, who are very committed and experienced, who are committed people, parts of this community and they've never done the official membership thing. That, that you can be committed without that. This is simply a formal, public, official way of saying, I'm in. But the, the heart of it are these deeper commitments. That's the heart of it to God to sharing life, to being part of God's mission in this time, in this place. Now, there's a few other things that I just, if I'm talking about membership, I want to make sure I touch on for clarity's sake. There's a few organizational, uh, there's a few organizational things that come along with membership that I just want to take a brief moment to explain just for, to be clear. So we, we, uh, we have a community this size. We have kind of an organizational side. And some of the things that the way membership is part of that is this. That every, every February, we have an annual meeting. It's going to, we'll put in the date in the bulletin here in the coming weeks. We'll have one next month. And at the annual meeting, we vote on the budget. And we also vote on new leadership positions um, at Hillcrest. Anyone is invited to come to the meeting, but only members vote on those things. There's a few leadership positions uh, that, uh, in, our, in our community that you need to be members to be part of. Now, there's all different ways you can serve here, and you don't have to be a member to do it. But there's a few that it's like, no, you have to be a member to do that. One is we have something called the council that helps lead the whole community. The council, has the, um, on, the council is nine members, and then plus the leader of UCM, the leader of Hillcrest Kids, and the leader of Hillcrest Church are all part of that council. And those to be one of those nine council people, you have to be a member. There's another, there's another group that, um, and this is a little confusing, there's another group that actually uh, puts forward candidates to be the next people on the council. This group that puts forward candidates is called a nominating committee. You have to be a member to be on the nominating committee. So there's a few kind of official positions that you have to be a member to do. Also, we're going to be, we've been talking about bringing in a new lead pastor. The members will vote on that lead pastor. So there's a few official things that membership brings. Uh, but once again, please hear me. The, those, are, those are kind of the extra parts. The heartbeat of it, the heartbeat is, is people who have committed, I'm going to walk after God. 
I'm going to share life with these people in this time and place. And I'm committed, I'm committed to being part of God's mission in this time, in this place. That's the heartbeat of it, right? Hear me say that. If, uh, if you're interested, uh, if you're interested in doing the official formal side, uh, we have these membership packets, uh, three baskets in the back. You can grab one on your way out. What you do is you fill it out, bring it back next week, drop it off the information table. One of the pastoral staff will contact you. We'll take you out to lunch, out to a cup of coffee, answer any questions you have. And that's how that process works. Uh, Jesus, we believe, early on, after Jesus uh, Jesus had physically gone into heaven, he sends his spirit, and his spirit creates a certain kind of community. That early on we see this question, what does the Jesus movement look like now that he's not physically there? It's led by a spirit. It looks like a community devoted, ongoingly devoted to certain things. Devoted to him, following him. Devoted to one another. Devoted to asking the question of what is is participating in Jesus' mission, reaching out in his name, look like here and now? They were devoted to those things. And I think Jesus continues, even today, to form communities, churches, around those same commitments and devotions. I believe that. When I, uh, when I began uh, this morning, I shared... I shared that uh, quote from the article on how to become a digital nomad and travel the world, right? And I love traveling. It's not, I'm not like anti-traveling or something. But it's this picture of like cutting commitments, low commitment, you know, cut all ties and just be absolutely free. And while I was kind of thinking on these, the, this scripture and just what, what, how, what kind of community Jesus forms, a different image um, came to mind that is almost totally opposite. A couple years ago, the Hillcrest, the pastoral staff, we had a chance to visit the Benedictine Monastery up in Abbotsford, uh, B.C. And the Benedictine Order, it's the order of the Catholic Church. And if a person becomes a Benedictine monk, one of the vows, one of the vows a person makes is called the vow of stability. And it's a vow to... Spend the rest of your life in this place at this monastery with these people. And when we were at the monastery, we met monks and they would say, I'm going to be buried there. You know, they're they're 20s, they're in their 30s. I know the rest of my life I'm going to spend right here and I will be buried under that tree. This vow of stability. And there's this one Benedictine monastery... I was reading about, and they, they explained it this way. And let me, let me read this quote to you. They said it this way. They said, we vow to remain all our life with our local community. We live together, pray together, work together, relax together. We give up the temptation to move from place to place in search of an ideal situation. Ultimately, 
There is no escape from oneself. And the idea that things would be better someplace else is usually an illusion. And when interpersonal conflicts arise, we have a great incentive to work things out and restore peace. This means learning the practices of love, acknowledging one's offensive behavior, giving up one's preferences, forgiving. What a radically different picture from world nomad or digital nomad world traveler. And, 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 I, and I want you to hear me clearly. I'm not saying church membership is till death do us part. That's, I'm not saying that to become a church member is to know you're going to be buried out or something like this. That, that's not, don't go home and say, you know what Tim said, we're committing for the rest of our lives, signing blood. No, that's not what I'm saying. But, but, I think, it, you know, if you're given these two pictures, digital nomad, world traveler, and the, these people have said, we're committed to work and live and do life together, even when it's hard. I think Jesus' church is meant to look more like this than like this. That Jesus forms devotions, ongoing commitments in his people, tangible commitments. That he, that he forms in people these commitments. And he forms a kind of community that is committed to play together and to pray together and to share life, the good parts and the difficult parts, to stick it out when it's hard. To learn the practices of real life love, of saying sorry and I forgive you. To asking questions about what does it mean to, to express the mission of Jesus in Bellingham in 2017? How can we do that together? I believe the church of Jesus is meant more to look like a community of commitment than a community of absolute freedom. I believe that Jesus by his spirit in the past, has formed these kind of local communities of commitment around him. I believe Jesus, by his spirit, continues to form these kind of communities of commitment around him and his people and his mission. And I believe Jesus and his spirit will continue into the future to form these kind of communities around him. Let's pray. Jesus, uh, we thank you. We thank you for your work in the past, that you send your spirit even to your first followers, and that you reshaped their hearts to be devoted to the right things, uh, devoted to you and to one another and your, your good purposes in the world. And We thank you that, that you inspired these, uh, these authors to record it and to see it and to write it down so that we could Read about it here and now. Jesus, I thank you that you give us a vision for what it's meant to look like to be part of your people. I thank you that by your spirit, you're at work. You don't just leave us instructions, but you, you energize us. You guide us in how to do it. And so we make ourselves available to you, even here and now. Would you speak to us? Would you show us what it means to be the kind of committed people you call us to? We pray this in your good name. Amen.